Travel Support Thursday, episode three. Woo! Welcome back. We're back once again. First of all, thank you all so much for all the awesome questions and comments and everything else that we got last week. It was it was really great to see all that. It was so, so nice to hear from all of you, all of your support, all of your encouragement, all of the people out there that that travel the way that we do. It seems like real people, real travel. And it was really, really nice to hear the support for the the jingle. Oh man, which which jingle? Which jingle are you talking about? Give me a beat. <laughs> travel Thursday. Travel Thursday. Getting a tattoo is a good way to save money. What? <laughs> <laughs> Episode three, so if you're new here, I'm Josh. I'm Lisa. And we're all about helping you travel the world on $100 a day on a pretty reasonable budget. You know, like real travel for real people. And by that, I mean, we're not talking about some like insane, unattainable $20,000 plane ticket. Or for some reason, I saw this YouTube video the other day where a guy went to every single Disney world on planet Earth. There's like one in Hong Kong and one in Paris and two in the and They went to all of them within 100 hours, which seems... Very unlikely. I don't understand why. I don't. I mean, it's entertaining, but I, that's not how anyone that I've ever met travels no. at all. <laughs> so we're all about travel for real people doing real stuff. And this series is all about answering your travel questions directly. We get a lot of questions from all of you on our YouTube channel and our Breakfast with Lisa and Josh newsletter and on our Instagram DMs. But we don't always have a chance to individually answer every single one. So mm. this is. This video podcast brought to you on YouTube and a podcast platform near you is meant to answer all of those questions directly. So every Thursday, wherever in the world we are, we're going to answer your questions. So feel free to leave a travel questions in the comments below. And I have one request here, which is that don't be afraid to get like really specific about your question. Like if you're just sitting there and you're like, I want to go to Italy next summer and I don't know how to get there for free with the points I have. Lisa and Josh, please help me find a good award flight so that way I can fly to Italy for free. Ooh. Ask that question, and then we'll walk through the entire process, and then probably everyone else watching will be like, whoa, I learned a lot from how that happened, so now I too can book an award flight for free to Italy. And maybe you guys will see each other in yeah. Italy. Yeah, or maybe we'll be on the same plane. Or wouldn't same that, gondola ride. Wouldn't that be cool? Travel support every yeah. Thursday. That's what we do. Yes, we're here to support you. We're here to support you. Okay, so what questions do we got today? Ooh, we got a what lot. Got? Okay, so we are answering a lot of your questions from last week. Today, we're going to talk about what we do with our credit cards once we get the sign-up bonuses. Mm -hmm. um, and how does that, if they do, how does it impact our credit score? We're going to talk about how we get mail on the road and how YouTube monetization works. Oh, oh boy. Boy, is that a complicated a topic. Okay, A lot of <laughs> analytics. Yeah, yeah. We're going to answer your question about how we think about full-time travel versus short two-week, three-week vacations now. And most importantly, today we're going to talk about how one tattoo can be the ultimate travel hack. Oh man, I can't wait time. for this one. I can't <laughs> wait for this one. Okay, so our first one today comes from three different people. So Angela, NE9CY, Craig Misushima and Wayne Go Productions. All of them ask basically the same thing, which is like, what do you do about the annual fees? Do you cancel your credit cards once you get the big bonuses? How, how do you sort of handle the closing out of the credit cards once you've actually gotten the thing that you wanted out of them? Yeah. So we'll talk about our approach, yep. how other people and how you might approach it will be different. But in general, if we think it's a pretty good credit card that we might hold on to, we just 
keep it open. Mm -hmm. And if the annual fees aren't too high, like if it's $95 per year and we think that the credit card perks are worth it, we might just keep the credit cards. But in general, once we receive the sign-up bonus, we start talking about whether we want to keep this, but most of them we end up canceling. Yeah, I think there's some really important things to note in the middle of all this, which is that let's say you sign up for a credit card and it offers you like 60,000 United miles after you spend some amount of money in the first three months. Once you get those miles, you can cancel the credit card at any time Mm. and you will still have all of those United miles. You will lose all the perks that are specific to the credit card, which might be like lounge access Mm -hmm. or it might be like discounts on food and beverage while you're on the flight or whatever. But those points, as long as they're not with the credit card. So, for example, if you get chase points, if you cancel your chase credit card, you will lose all of those chase points. But if the credit card moves the points from wherever the credit card is to a different company, like from the chase card you signed up to United and you cancel, you'll still have all those points. Or, for example, if you have a credit card that gets you American Airlines miles and your miles after you reach the sign up bonus show up in your American Airlines account, Mm -hmm. you're you're good to go. You get to keep those points whether you cancel the card or not. Yeah. Yeah. So totally fine there. Uh, There are some other questions around, like, what does this do to your credit score or what do you do with the annual fees? So I want to talk about the annual fee part first, because I think this is. A big misconception and I think a place where a lot of people have a lot of fear when it comes to signing up for credit cards in that like you'll see, for example, Chase Sapphire Reserve. It has a five hundred and fifty dollar annual fee, which is one of the highest. I think the only one higher than it is the American Express Platinum at like seven hundred dollars per year. Huge amount of money. That's a gigantic annual fee. But this, as well as any of the other cards that have a big annual fee, they generally offset themselves and normally they offset themselves so much that the annual fee is basically zero. So with the Chase one, for example, it's got like a $300 travel credit. Bam, your 550 annual fee all the way down to 250. It's got a $100 global entry slash TSA pre-check application fee credit. So if those of you who travel internationally a ton and you get global entry, this credit card will pay for that back. So that's another $100 there from the annual fee. Yep. Lounge access, depending on how much you travel, is actually really valuable. We Mm -hmm. use this all the time and it is super valuable for us. That's worth probably $100 per year for us, maybe a little more. Yeah. And then it's also got like travel insurance on top of it. And then it's also got 5x point bonuses on top of it for some things and discounts with certain places. For example, I think our card also gives us like access to Lyft premium or whatever. Or DoorDash or or something like that. Or DoorDash, something like that. Yeah. Something that we don't use a lot. Uh, But some people may find that very exciting. So usually these annual fees are generally heavily reduced or reduced all the way to zero. But you should still do the math of each year. Is this credit card, is the annual fee worth mm-hmm. it? So for the Chase one, we keep it around the Chase Sapphire Reserve because lounge access for us is worth a ton. And then that $300 annual credit and plus the other random stuff. It's ROI positive for us. And every time we spend money, like either at the grocery stores or the gas station, whatever, whatever purchases we're making, we're generally using that card. And when you use that card, you're getting points anyway. This is not this is not an ad for Chase Sapphire no. Reserve or for any credit card, but <laughs> this is all. generally how we think about them. Yeah. yeah, I think it's ultimately a decision that like you have to make. Is this something that's worth it for me in the long run? And is this annual fee worth it with all the perks that you get with a credit card. Yeah, yeah. So the way that we do this, 
is each of us keeps one, maybe two credit cards that mm-hmm. we keep open forever. And this is for two reasons. One, because the annual fee is worth it. And two, because it allows our credit score to keep going up and up because our length of credit history keeps getting longer. And we'll talk more about credit score in a second. Cards that fit that bill for us, the cards that we still have around today is both of us have a Chase Sapphire Reserve, which is a little bit redundant. We yeah. both have lounge access. And I don't know, it's it's a great card because we both have so many Chase points and we just haven't found the right way to spend them all yet. So we're still just kind of keeping them around. And then I have an IHG card because it gets me a free night at an IHG property. The annual fee is only $85, maybe $95. Yeah. And the hotel, a night at that hotel is usually like $150 to $200. So it makes total sense to keep those cards around. But for most of them, 90% of them we cancel before the first year annual fee comes up. Yeah. We definitely take the time to read the fine print, right? To make sure we're spending the minimum amount to make that sign-up bonus and we're getting the sign-up bonus. But we also have to double check, yeah, like when does the sign-up bonus arrive? How long does it take and do they expire? Or if I cancel this credit card, will the points go with it? So we definitely, before we cancel any credit card, we do those things to make sure. I think I have, I think right now I have a Capital One Venture card that I opened up in the last couple of years, which was great for the signup bonus. But it is one of those cards that if I cancel without using up those points, then I lose those points completely. So that's one of the reasons why we've kept that card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's talk about credit score, because I think this is a hot topic of conversation for anyone who's signing up for these things. And I just want to start by saying that it's important to note we are not your financial advisors. We are not your financial advisors. And two, your credit score does not reflect your value or worth as a human being. Oh, that's very sweet. And I think for a lot of people, they've just internalized this idea that like your credit, that the credit score that you have this number applied to is like a direct number that represents like how good you are at money (laughs) or like how or like how good of a person you are. And it's neither of those things. And you shouldn't spend too much time like worrying about it or like taking it personally. If your credit score is bad or good or whatever, it doesn't it says nothing about you as a person. Mm. It's just a number. It's just a number. Okay. that being said, a lot of people have dreams to buy houses and a lot of people have dreams to get credit cards and to get new cars and do all the other things you can do with a credit. It's a very real unit, unfortunately, that everybody uses to measure. Yes, but it's not but it's not you. It's not you. (laughs) Like it doesn't represent you (laughs) as a person. It's just this arbitrary score that like these three companies all collaborated together to kind of determine credit trustworthiness. And there's so many factors that go into this. And it's such an absolutely bafflingly calculated number. Don't you wish they taught you this in like high school, (laughs) middle school, right? Like I know we talk about this all the time, but why didn't we have a financial planning class in high school or middle school? Yes. I don't know. There's always a story. There's always we've heard so many stories. There's so many reasons why credit scores can fluctuate and and how people end up in the place that they are in with their credit score and with their credit. And it just. Yeah, yeah. And it's so (laughs) arbitrary. Anyway, I have many gripes about how credit (laughs) scores work in the United States and elsewhere in the world. I don't want to go. I don't want to go too far down that road. Okay, so here's been my experience of how my credit score moves around based upon a couple of different factors that I've noticed and a bunch of research that I've done. Mm. Okay, so let's say theoretically, actually, I'll just tell you, my credit score right now is 803. That makes the math harder. My credit score right now is 800. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's actually 803, but we're going to do 800 because it makes the math easier. Okay. So every time that you sign up for a new credit card or anyone checks your credit score for any reason, and it doesn't matter if you're approved or declined, you get a five point hit on your credit score. So yeah. let's say that I go online and I apply for a new credit card. I would then have a 795 credit score. So then over the next couple of months, no matter if you were approved or declined for the credit card or you pay your bill or you don't, those five points are going to be put back onto your credit score. And the only reason they do this is to prevent you from applying for too many lines of credit at the same time. So they just build in this five point hit so that way eventually if you applied for like 20 things of credit, you would eventually have a 700 credit score, which would put you under what most of these credit card lenders would allow to get some of their fancier, more premium cards or an auto loan or anything else like that. So once you have this hit of the five point on your credit score, it then goes into your credit profile online. And probably a lot of you have done online credit checks, right? And it lists all of the different credit cards you have and all the credit cards that you have had over time, as well as any like mortgages you have or car loans or anything like that. And then it'll show you how frequently you've paid these things off and how big of a revolving credit limit you have, which is basically like how much money you spend on your credit cards and other things each month versus how much total credit you have. Right. And this is another indicator of how good your credit score is. But so here's what happens. Let's say that I apply for this credit card. It then brings my credit score down to 795 and they give me like a $10,000 credit limit on this credit card. Those five points will slowly be refunded over the next couple of months. So I'll equalize back up to 800. And then and then because I now have more credit available to me and because I'm spending theoretically the same amount every single month. Like let's say I'm always spending $2,000 a month, but now I have twice as much credit available to me. So the credit card companies and the credit score companies will then see me as a more trustworthy borrower because I have more available credit, but I'm still spending that same amount. So it's a smaller percentage. You didn't go out and buy that brand new Ferrari. Right. I didn't go out and buy a yacht <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I don't as, actually know how much those cost. So from their perspective, you actually look like a better borrower generally over time because you are spending a smaller percentage of your available credit. You have all this money available to you, but you're not spending. You're it. not spending it. Right. You're not spending it. This is crucial. Not spending what you don't have. Yes. But if you do spend all that credit, all of a sudden this new credit that you get and you also fail to make monthly payments, your credit score is going to plummet immediately. And we're talking like 30 to 40 points. I think these are like the big rules that you got to mm. follow generally whenever you sign up for these things which is you got to have a credit score above 750 to start and then also you got to pay off all of your balance on all of your credit cards and all of your other various things like if you have a mortgage or if you have a car payment or whatever all of that gets paid every single month and if you don't do that you shouldn't start any of these hobbies in the first place mm. just too risky it's just too risky yeah and so i think to answer some of the questions that came up on what we do with our credit cards after we receive the signup bonuses, do we cancel them? And does that impact our credit score? So yeah. the short answer is yes, it can. Mm -hmm. um, when we cancel our credit cards, any of them, there is a little marker, a, a ping on your credit score that says you closed down an account and that that does impact your credit score, but very, very small amount. Yeah, because it's changing that percentage. You all of a sudden have mm -hmm. less credit available, but you're still spending that same amount. So you look very slightly like a less trustworthy borrower because you're spending a higher percentage of your available credit. But in general, I think we 
as we've done this and we have followed kind of those golden rules of making sure that we keep at least one or two lines of credit, like our oldest credit cards we keep open for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And we pay off all of our credit card um, payments and we pay off all of our credit cards every single month. We've seen our credit score rebound even if we've canceled a credit card after receiving the sign-up bonus. Yeah, exactly. And then there's one more factor that we that we can't miss, which is that it's an overall average of how long you've had credit mm -hmm. available. And there's one really easy, I guess, hack to this system, which is just always keep the first credit card you ever got. Yeah, like the one from college that you signed up for <laughs> that one time because you got a free t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's like... no benefits, no perks other than that free t-shirt and someone got you to sign up and even though there's maybe nothing on it, might be worth keeping. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is what both of us have done. Yeah. Where we both still have these credit cards around that we've had for like 15 to 20 years at this point, right? Like forever. <laughs> and also the reason that this works is because it kind of anchors your credit score of like you'll have one, you'll have one line of credit that's been open for like 15 years or however long it's been. And then you'll sign up for a bunch of other ones along the way, right? And mm -hmm. then this one you'll keep for nine months and this one you keep for three years and this one you keep for two years or whatever. But as long as you still have this one that keeps getting like older that you keep around over time, then the average of all of these will still average out relatively high, which will keep your credit score above this 750 or up into the 800 range. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. I know so, well, big info dump about credit scores, and I'm sorry that we got to talk about this because the system is so incredibly convoluted. And this is our experience, right? Like your yeah. experience probably will be different, but this is everything that we've learned about the mm -hmm. system after signing up and closing down probably like 50 to 60 credit cards over the past handful of years. But also like talk to your fiduciary or financial advisor or whatever you've got in That's your life that helps you with your financial stuff. Fiduciary. Yes, and they will know, obviously, hopefully, significantly more than we do about this. And they'll definitely know a lot more about your personal circumstances. And I think we would be remiss to not talk about this. I mean, I think in general, there are there are also just a lot of hidden rules with like what kinds of credit cards you can apply for, what kinds you can have at any given moment. Some credit card companies have their own specific rules, which prevent you from signing up for a bunch of credit cards just from them. Like, for example, the most famous of this is Chase's 524 rule, which means you can't sign up, which means if you sign up for five credit cards from any from any company or from any, you know, even like you get a Citibank card and a Barclay card and you get a. Bank of America card or whatever, five total within a 24 month period. So two years. Yep. You can't sign up for any more Chase cards after that until that like time clock goes out where you've only signed up for four within that 24 month period. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It can lot. feel overwhelming. But if this is something that you're really, really into, there are lots of resources online on Reddit all about credit card churning, how to kind of navigate the system. But when done responsibly and in a way that like suits your personal lifestyle, like we've found it extremely, extremely beneficial mm -hmm. and really helpful for us when we travel. Yeah. So we also talk about this at length and mm -hmm. I mean for hours on our <laughs> Skillshare course that we have about this exact topic. So if you want to check that out, we'll put the link down in the description below. It's on Skillshare. There's a lot of info on it. You might like it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. <laughs> if not, just keep asking more questions on here and we'll just keep giving you the info on here. Question two. So these are actually a compilation of questions in follow-up from last week's podcast, which is talking about our finances and whether the money that we make from YouTube helps support our travels indefinitely. The short answer is kinda, but check out that video if you want to from last week. Um, this question comes from Carly Lilly, who says, great video. Thanks. How does it work when you get YouTube premium and there are no ads? How do content creators get paid? Is it just via interacting in the comments? And what does liking a video do to help you? Want to make sure that I can support my fave content creators where possible. Oh, Thanks so man. much, Carly Lilly. That's really kind and a really, really complicated question <laughs> that we would love to delve into. <laughs> yeah, so where should we start? Okay, let's start from the easiest one. Uh, what does liking a video do? And why do mm. all creators ask you to do it? Okay, so the YouTube algorithm, constantly changing at all times. And still something that we're trying to grapple with. Yes, totally unpredictable. So my understanding of this and what we've seen through making this stuff for like three and a half years is that liking a video shows it. Liking a video triggers the YouTube algorithm to show it to more people who might be interested in it. Mm -hmm. So if other people are like watching travel content or they're watching podcasts or they're watching like personal finance stuff of which this podcast has slowly morphed into like, uh, you know, uh, Voltron of those three things. <laughs> What's the sound for a Voltron? I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> sound effect here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find one. You know, if they're searching for those three things and then you happen to go on in there and like the thing, then the YouTube algorithm will then show that video to other people who are also interested in that same thing. Mm -hmm. How many of those people a like is worth? I have no idea. Mm. And I think commenting on your favorite content creators videos also goes along in that same vein. It shows people that this is something that you're interested in, you're engaged with and you're trying to like communicate with them and with other people. And generally, the more comments, probably the more likely other people are commenting and maybe YouTube will again share, share this with more people because they think other people might be interested in engaging with the same kind of content. Yes, and to be clear, we don't make any money from interacting in the comments. Mm -hmm. There's no like direct revenue connection there. Yeah. We just do it because we like talking to you. It's true. <laughs> That's the only reason. Okay, so moving on to like, how does it work when you get YouTube premium and then you're not actually seeing any ads? So, so we actually get a higher percentage from YouTube premium subscribers than we do from just people who don't have YouTube premium and actually just watch the ads. Really? Yes. So they're paying like $12 a month or 13. I don't know. I don't remember exactly how much it is, but it's $13 or $12 a month for YouTube premium right now. Which means that you essentially aren't watching ads while you're watching YouTube. Yes. YouTube yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Just like turns off all the ads inside of YouTube and does some other things inside of YouTube that are also cool. So we sign up for YouTube premium. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. So from that $13 a month, right? Like any video that you watch, it actually calculates how many videos you've watched over that monthly period. And then it just divides that YouTube premium revenue, that $13 and just directly gives it to the creators also with YouTube, I think taking like a 40% cut out of that. Hmm. So it's just it's just like a bigger, a slightly bigger piece of the pie from each person that is giving money to YouTube versus those that are just watching and then watching the ads as well. Um, the math here is very huh? uh, incomprehensible <laughs> is the word I would use to describe <laughs> how this math actually adds up. Uh, and it's also incredibly unpredictable, which is why last week we talked about we make somewhere between like two and six thousand dollars per month. And you might listen to that and be like, well, that's unhelpful. I mean, isn't it consistent? We agree. 
It is totally <laughs> unhelpful and totally inconsistent. And most of it is entirely outside of our control. Sometimes, like in December, all the ad rates go up and everybody on YouTube makes a little bit more money. And then like in January, bonus. and then in January, it just plummets back down real, 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 real far for reasons entirely incomprehensible. Like major Sunday blues. I don't know. <laughs> January blues. Yeah, everyone's just hung the over. The holidays from, are over. <laughs> from New Year's or whatever. But for whatever reason, it's there's seasonality to it. There's differentiation to it. It depends on which country the person who watched the video comes from. It's totally inconsistent, totally unpredictable. And there's a reason why every single YouTuber out there, I guess besides us because we don't, there's a reason why almost <laughs> every YouTuber out there tells you to like and subscribe to mm. their video. And it's because it's it's helpful. It's it helpful is. for a it's lot true. of reasons. Sharing this video to new people who might be interested in it, sending YouTube a positive signal that like this is a quality video. There's a reason for that. But honestly, like the most helpful thing, like the biggest thing that you can do is if you watch a video, like if you watch our three days in Tokyo video mm. and then one of your friends wants to go to Tokyo and you're like, hold on, I got to send you this video before you go there and you tell them about us and you like share that, that word of mouth is the most valuable thing. Mm. And I think for a couple of reasons, one, because it showed like the video was useful to you mm-hmm. and that it was useful enough to you that you would send that along to someone else. Like that's so big, like that means the world to us. It means the world to us. Screw all the analytics, scroll the numbers, <laughs> scroll the liking and thumbs upping like that, that like actually helping you and then by proxy you then sending our stuff to your friends and then also helping them. That's all we want. Mm. That's the most important thing. And that's the only thing that we really care about. I think in I think in general, your your question about how to support your favorite content creators is really I mean, first of all, just really kind, because I think we really appreciate any amount of interaction, whether it's just watching our videos, liking it, sharing it, subscribing and just letting us know how you feel, because your feedback generally helps us right make better content and answer your questions directly so that we can help you travel. Um, I think with YouTube and probably with any line of work, there's endless amount of stats and analytics that you can get into to try and I don't know, make more money or get more views, get more subscribers, et cetera. But I don't know. The the thing that we love the most is like connecting, connecting and hearing from you what your thoughts on travel, what your thoughts are on these questions that we get every single week. This long ramble is just to say thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And thank you for asking questions. Yeah. (laughs) After saying that we don't really care about the numbers of the analytics, we are very interested in this question, which uh, comes from me, LG, one W, one YW, (laughs) which just seems like a generated password. Me, LG, one E. So (laughs) anyway, who says, have you ever calculated how much YouTube pays you per hour of work creating your videos? This is going to be so depressing. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> so let. All right. How would we figure this out? How would we figure this out? So okay. we have to think about how much time our... we spend one filming. Yes. And then how much time I spend editing. All right. Okay. So let's figure this out. Let's do this in two ways. I think we do this over the past twelve months, which is really the only time that we've really started making any money mm. with this, and then we do it for the lifetime. Okay. Per hour, per person. Right. Per so, person? No. That <laughs> seems even sadder. Okay. So can you can you bring up your calculator and we'll start figuring this out? Yes. So like when we're filming, 
we're probably filming for like 12 to 14 hours a day, right? Like that's all we do all day from sunup to sundown. So we'll leave it like... Are we awake for that? Yeah. Yeah, from 8 a.m. And then we'll finish up the video at night, right? Uh, 12 hours a day. And then when we're not filming, some days we'll edit, right? A lot of days we'll edit and do work that day. Let's like take an example of our most recent filming trip. Okay. So like 12 hours per day. And let's say we We film three times a week or whatever. Yeah. yeah. For our three days in. Yeah. Or even four sometimes. Yeah, even four. Okay. So that's 48 hours of just filming Uh a week. Yep. And then let's say I I ha- I edited on that trip. I mean. Which you did, right? Yeah, it's just, yeah. So I, I would think it would take you probably like 50 to 60 hours of work time to edit a video. Edit a video. It's just like a ballpark figure. Okay. And then while you're doing that, I'm finding music and I'm responding to brands and telling them no. And I am doing accounting stuff and I am writing the next videos or I'm writing the newsletter. So that so that's like 48 hours of filming. Yeah. And then like 50 hours of editing, let's say. Right. And that's over the course of. A week. Yeah. In a week. So if we divide that by two, that's like 50 hours a week per person (gasps) about. So, okay, so let's just take that number. That's probably conserve. I think that's under if I had to guess that's under the amount of hours that we work on this right now. So at 50 hours per week times two, that's 100 hours per week times 52 weeks in a year. And we do this every week. We've taken we've never really taken like a full break. We took one week off. We took. But even then we were editing. That's true. So let's subtract two of those weeks. Okay. Just for the time I'm at that we're fifty-two hundred, right? Okay, now. so if you subtract two hundred, right, then we'll be at, then we'll be at five thousand. Okay, so that's how many hours we've worked in a year. In a year, right? So now we need to thirty-six nine oh two. Thirty-six nine oh two point three four divided by that amount. Yep. Oh boy, lots of math today. Seven dollars per hour. Seven dollars and thirty-eight cents per but hour. But that's for the two of us. I know. So if you divide that by two, that means we are each making three point six dollars per hour over the past 3.7. year. Three point seven. Three point seven. Okay, we're rounding up. We're, okay, so now let's do the same thing, but oh, over boy. three years. So that's fifteen thousand hours. Fifty-six thousand. Yep, fifty-six thousand six hundred thirty-one dollars and seventy cents divided by divided by fifteen thousand. Right. So three years. We've been doing this for more than three years, but we'll just make the math easy. <sighs> So divide that by two again. Three point seven seven. This is for the two of us. Three dollars and seventy seven cents per hour. Uh, okay, One dollar so, and eighty eight cents for the two of us. So just under two dollars an hour since we started. We love this job though. So uh, we do we can't, love this job. We can't. Yeah. It's it, it's, it's a not long. A good, it's not a good. It's not a good number. To this is look us, into. This is us just like self. Uh, what's the right word for what we're doing right now? We're just sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost fallacy, a bit of that. But this is us just like talking ourselves into making justifying. ourselves. Yeah, we're self justifying. <laughs> That's right. This is us self justifying this. So in case you're like looking at this and you're like, hey, YouTube's a get rich quick scheme. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't. Yeah. It's not at all. It's not at all. I can imagine this is though like like any other person who's starting a new business. Yeah. You're just investing so much more. The startup costs are not just like monetary. They're also time and effort. You're just investing now early. Yeah. Um, and then the hope is, is that we build this thing big enough where maybe 
our dollar rate per person will reach minimum wage. Yeah. Or hopefully even more yeah. one of these days. I don't know. But I, know. I think like back to what we talked about last week, even even though this is not a get rich scheme at all, I think we're both very, very happy with where our life has brought us mm-hmm. and like this particular while while working and making YouTube videos isn't the most lucrative business, it certainly offers a lot of freedom and it allows us to travel, which is pretty incredible. Best job I've ever had. Definitely still a job, but the best job I've ever had. Yeah. No question. No question. Uh, okay. I am a little <laughs> sad now and uh, slightly depressed, but also hopeful because our hourly wage. Hey, doubled. Uh, doubled. From when we started to right now. That's pretty great. Look yeah. at that. Look at that. We and, just got to do that a couple more times. And you know, we, we can always streamline our work. And I think we're getting faster yeah. as we go. Or slower. I think our videos are taking longer, but we're making better videos. I hope. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, on to the next listener <laughs> okay, question. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Okay. okay. This one's from... Mr. Rogers. R.M. R. Rogers 263. Very close to Mr. Oh. Rogers, man. Our Mr. Let's, we're just going to call him R. Mr. Rogers yep. 263 asks, how do you physically get your new credit cards when traveling the world? What address do you use? So this is like great right. question, especially for people who are like full-time traveling or long-term traveling. How do we handle mail while we're away? Yeah, so the service that we use for this right now is called iPostal One, and this is like a mail scanning service. So it gives you this address that's somewhere in a city nearby you, hopefully, and then you just change all your stuff to send mail to this one address. And for ours, it's inside of like an office department store, <laughs> and they just happen to run this at the same desk that their like photo desk runs out of. But they mm-hmm. have all these little mailboxes scattered around there, and when they receive mail, they take a picture of it, And then they ask you, do you want to open it and scan it for like 10 cents? We'll do this for you. Or we can just like toss it and shred it for you. They send you an email. Yeah, yeah. They send you an email. So we get this email anywhere in the world. And then I can just say like, please scan this and then send a PDF to my email. So there are some weirdnesses with this, like since it's running out of a Kinko's or an Office Depot or whatever. I'm imagining like Office Space, the movie. (laughs) Yeah. There are some weirdnesses like they have just forgotten to scan some of our pieces of mail or they have just thrown out some of our pieces (laughs) of mail occasionally. Um, And it really depends on like which office you go with or which service you go with. I think we're honestly going to change from iPostal one to a different one, but I don't know which Mm -hmm. one. So I can't say that I like it's been good, but not great. There are lots of services. Yeah. So we use iPostal one, but there's a lot of different ones like traveling mailbox, earth class mail, anytime mailbox is another one. Escapees, RV is apparently another traveling mailbox like on the road. It just takes a little bit longer, right? Because you have to first respond and say, can you open this? Or you can toss this. But if you open this, I think there's also an additional fee to have them like send you a physical scan of the opened envelope and open letter. So I don't know. It's like there's a lot of different ways that you can handle it. We've definitely, when we first started traveling, we've used the like, hey, mom and dad, could you check our mail for us? And send us any pictures of anything really, really important. And by the way, if you happen to be joining us on our trip in the future, which you have in the past, can you also bring that piece of mail with you? Thanks. We love you. Like we've definitely done that before. Yeah. To get back to like the original question, Mm. which is what would we do if we got new credit cards and they sent them to this theoretical like mail service that we have? How would we get them from there to wherever we are in the world. And I've had to do this before for a bunch of different reasons. One, like 
my debit card just stopped working. Or I was in Thailand and I put my debit card into one of the ATM machines and it just ate it and never gave it back. And these things happen all the time. So what do you do to sort of recover from that situation? Or how do you get a new credit card on the road? And there's really only one way to do it, which is I would tell our mail forwarding service to ship it to a hotel that we're going to be at like three weeks from then, which means we'd have to plan out a little (laughs) further than we normally do, which is normally none. It's really hard. Yeah. And we would just tell them to ship it internationally. And then we have to clear customs out of the U.S. and then clear customs into whichever country you're going into. Mm-hmm. And then we would just tell the hotel to expect this piece of mail from us. I would generally stay at one of like the bigger hotels, definitely one that has a 24-hour front desk. And Concierge. Preferably one that speaks the same language that you do. And then they would just receive the mail, hold on to it for a little while for you. And then whenever you make it there, which hopefully is right when it arrives or... Uh, you'll probably want to stay like a couple of nights in the hotel just to make sure that you're there when the mail gets there. But this has worked about a dozen times from various credit card related problems that I've had on the road, especially ones where like my card information got hacked and I needed to like cut up the card and then cancel it because, you know, my information got leaked and then I had to get a new one. This is really the only way to solve the problem, except if you go with Schwab, like we have for our debit card, they actually offer an international service directly with them where they'll like super fast, almost overnight it anywhere in the world that you need your debit card to you. And that has been super helpful a lot of times. Like when you're really, really hosed, they have come through. Yes. Yeah. Also not sponsored. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. They're just (laughs) a good service and we use them and we like them. The less coordinated way, like if we knew we were going back home for any specific amount of time, whether for a wedding or for a family reunion or whatnot, we might then save that time period to kind of get our admin stuff out of the way like taking care of mail getting new credit cards if we're signing up for any and reserve that chunk of time to kind of like refresh yeah okay so i want to talk about this tattoo thing i feel like we've been doing so much logistical stuff it's time to talk about the greatest travel hack that i've ever seen (laughs) in my entire life the single greatest one okay the government of austria (laughs) is offering a one-year free train ticket if you get a tattoo of that train ticket somewhere on your body. What? <laughs> yeah, what? exactly. And this train ticket, this is no small fries. This yeah. thing's worth up to $1,000 or hopefully more than it would cost to get this thing laser removed after a year after your ticket is done. But it seems like a pretty great deal. I mean, it's catchy. It, I, I'm actually really curious. Here's the deal. So as a way to get people on board with taking public transportation, reducing emissions, promoting, you know, going green, basically. Austria, the government, is offering a free year of public transportation if they get a tattoo that includes the word climate ticket, which is the name of Austria's eco-friendly public transportation. I think, do you just have to get the word tattooed on your body or is, is so, it more specific? It's than that? unclear, but so I think they just have to get the name of the local travel pass climate ticket tattooed somewhere on your body. Okay. I but- don't I don't know how you confirm this, but their like Instagram offers some options. I oh, think. so maybe it has to be one of those. I don't know. Like some they're they're kind of cute. Like some of the some of the oh, that train example cool. tattoos like that are kind of fun. Yeah. Like this go green one. Their their whole motto is action that gets under your skin. Wow. 
What do literally, you think? Literally, literally. Would you do this? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you would do this for the country me? of Austria. Yeah. To be able to just travel around Austria and all I got to do is get a tattoo. I don't care if I get another tattoo. Like, why would that bother me? And plus, they don't specify where you got to put it or how big it is. That's true. On the one hand, a lot of people were super into this and were like, yeah, this is a really good way to get people on board with public transportation, reach young people, all kinds of people. And then there, of course, there were the naysayers that like, how dare you? How dare you use tattooing as a way to get people to promote your cause and, you know, promote the government? I don't I don't really know. I... Obviously, this would not work in Japan. This would <laughs> sure. not be an accepted form of currency in Japan in the same way that is in, is in Austria. And I, I get how this could rub some people the wrong way, but I would do this in a heartbeat. As of yesterday, this article says that six people have so far participated. Whoa. Whoa. So, you know, it's reaching. Should we try it? Some people. I've got a pen. Yeah. What? Should we? Like, do, I'm like, not, do you I- think it would work? I don't even know how you would prove it. Like, what, do we fly to Austria and you'd be like, Yeah, I would just like my pull tattoo. up my sleeve and bam, the tattoo would be there. There's only one way to find out, really. You want me to try drawing on your hand? I kind of like that train one. Oh, boy. I want to find out. I want to. All right, we're going to do this. Okay. She's going to draw this on me and we're going to take a picture. and We're going to send it to this Austria <laughs> climate ticket thing <laughs> and see if this is an acceptable Form yeah, they of... don't really say if it's like permanent, actually. <laughs> That's true. They don't actually That's say. That's true. All right, where do you want it? That's true. Uh, well, I got one on here, so maybe like up here or something. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. We are tattooing. We are tattooing Stick this Stick around to yes. see what the outcome of this one is. Which way do you want the train to face? Uh, Going that way. What? That's backwards. Okay, whatever's easiest for you to yeah, draw. I... Whatever's easiest for you to draw, you go ahead and draw it. I'm going to draw it like Cause yeah, okay, here we go. <laughs> this is such a cool this, thing. This I'm, seems... I'm really excited about this. You're gonna have to twist your arm a little bit more. Okay. Wow, how I have so much respect for tattoo artists yeah. who also do podcasts at the same time. Okay, so while Lisa's tattooing me here, I'm gonna move on <laughs> to the next question. Okay, so next one is from. Oh gosh. Hold on, this is very small on here. Okay, from House Parade One Seven Six Seven. That says. This was a great discussion. Don't worry, Josh. I thought the money part was well handled and offer a realistic look into travel content creation. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. One question for next week. When you were on your one year trip, you were on the road for months. Has this now changed to being based in Hawaii and venturing out as the flight ticket gods allow? I love that. Mm. Or do you think you'll head out for a longer trip again? Which do you think is more cost effective? Wow. Yeah. Well. Okay. Great question. Great Are you sure question. you want to have this discussion as I'm tattooing you with yeah, a yeah. very precise V5 <laughs> rolling ball pen? This is going to look great. This is great. <laughs> I'm sorry for you podcast people out there. Just go to our Instagram and you'll be able to see this finished tattoo on there. Uh, okay. So I guess to answer the first part of this question, uh, yes. When we were on our trip, we actually traveled straight for almost two years, nonstop. We were we, just in yeah. constant motion for almost two years. We didn't... The last like actual home that we lived in was probably in 2020. Okay. So after that, then we didn't really know what to do. We kind of like came back home and we realized that we really liked full-time travel for a lot of reasons, but also the full-time travel plus content creation at the same time was pretty tiring, honestly. Mm. Like it it burned us out a little bit and we realized that we needed, (laughs) (laughs) and we realized that we needed some way to sort of break that up, have a little bit of a home base. So that way 
we could keep doing this content creation thing more full time. Yeah, I would say that like, I mean, this was the first time that I had ever taken a full plus year off from working the nine to five and traveling for this long. Mm -hmm. And and you had done it before a few times and came mm -hmm. back. I mean, our intention was never really like when we quit our jobs to travel, we didn't think this is going to be our life plan. We didn't know we were going to start a YouTube channel. We didn't no. know that we were going to want to keep doing this. And then after our one year honeymoon, we were like, let's continue traveling. Let's continue making YouTube videos. But we reached a point where we realized traveling is awesome. And this this life is incredible. This lifestyle is incredible. But we wanted to be able to keep doing it and sustain. And we knew that if we kept going every single day at this pace, we would have stopped. Well, and while I think full-time travel is certainly glamorous and exciting, and we got to experience so much more than just a two-week vacation, we missed a lot too. You know, yeah. there's a lot that you miss out on, like the birth of your best friend's baby or, you know, weddings and funerals and a lot of different things that we, we didn't want to give up completely yeah. going all in on travel was awesome for a year but that trip i think if anything taught me that like i want to keep traveling but i also want to make room for all the other things that are important in our lives yeah absolutely i mean there's definitely like a cost right to going on a trip and just sort of like dropping out of your old life for a very very long period of time and we didn't we just didn't want to follow the path of most of the other travel youtubers that we saw which was basically like full-time travel and make videos three times a week for just as long as you can, which for most is like three or four years or whatever. And then burn out so hard that you either have to totally quit your YouTube channel mm -hmm. entirely, that you totally give up on the entire dream and then just come back home or have a baby and then make some vlogs about the baby and building a new house wherever you are. Not that those are wrong things. No, that's just not the path just we not wanted. not that we wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, and there's like, there's definitely some burnout inherent in making YouTube videos like super frequently because then every single day you're both filming and editing and traveling and it becomes really hard to be present in the place you're in and enjoy the thing you're doing if you're constantly documenting it. Yeah. You know, if, if that's all you're doing, if that's your number one priority and that's the only thing you're there for. So yes, our current like breakdown in time is we spend roughly a month out in the world, traveling, making videos, having an awesome time. It's just, it's great. And then we come back here and we stay here and we do all the post-production things. We edit all the videos. After that month, then we're all fully rejuvenated and ready to get back out in the world and travel again. And that's, that's where we're at right now. But I think it's this balance that we found between like the full-time content creation and the life and then actually being able to have like relatively consistent friends and a consistent life here uh, and, and being able to have consistent friends here and a consistent life and a family around us and all those other things that we were kind of missing that we couldn't find in full-time travel that just weren't there because we were on the road moving constantly. So yeah. it was finding this balance between the two things. And I, I think we're pretty happy with the way things are now. Yeah, it was. I remember when we were in South Korea last two years ago when we decided we were going to go home for a little bit. It was a little bit. We were at a crossroads like, do we keep going? Do we keep trying to do this thing? how do we keep going? It was a really special time because we said we set out to do the one year honeymoon and we did it. 
but we didn't we didn't know what to do. We wanted to come home, but we didn't want to come home. We knew we were starting to like take traveling and and YouTube, all of it for granted, and certainly our family and friends because we hadn't seen them in a year. And it was just this. So we spent, I think, a chunk of that time after we came back a little bit confused, a little bit unsure. Where could we spend time at home? Were we giving up a lot of you know, what we could create with this business if we are not, if if we're not full-time traveling. I mean, last last week we talked about how this job is is hard and risky because you literally have to stop everything you're doing to travel and make YouTube videos. You can't really financially, you know, maybe some people can, but it felt hard to 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 commit to this long term. We're experimenting now. We're like, we're in this phase of we're experimenting, having this home base and traveling from said home base. And I think to answer that question of, is it, you know, is one better than the other? Financially, it's definitely more expensive, obviously, to rent and have a home and travel from said home back and forth. Yeah. Um, Full-time travel, way cheaper in the long run than having a home base. A hundred percent. Not even close. But physically, emotionally, mentally, I just feel, I don't know, every morning I wake up and I feel happy and I feel lucky that we get to be with our friends and our family and we get to see them more often and we get to travel, which is, yeah, I just didn't think that that would come sooner. I mean, certainly it's a very financially risky experiment, but so far I think we're we're trying to do it. We're trying to make it happen. Yeah. And we just found that if we kept on that same track that we were on, which was making a gajillion videos all the time, yeah, constantly traveling nonstop that we were just going to burn out. And we did a couple of times. And this saved us from burning out and gave us a little bit of work-life balance. Not that we have a ton of that, but it gave us some enough to consider doing this on more of like a marathon pace, yeah. which is exactly what we want to do. We want to keep doing this forever. For as long as we possibly yeah. can, we want to keep traveling, making these YouTube videos and doing this. And... I think that it saved this channel in a lot of ways because there were moments, especially like that one video that we made in Sydney, Australia, when both of us were just feeling awful. Yeah. I mean, I think we literally called it like we're burned out. Yeah. And at that moment, both of us were really close to just quitting, done. to yeah. just being done with all of this. Like you said, it's a little bit about taking things for granted that should not be taken for granted, right? Absolutely not. Going on a round the world trip, like, Wow. What kind of headspace do you have to be in to start taking that for granted? And we were just in a bad place. Yeah, I don't know. But we wouldn't have known all of that had we not taken that whole year to do all of that. We would not have known the things that we appreciated. I honestly thought that when we came home from our one year, I honestly thought when we started um, the one year honeymoon that we were just going to come right back home and start our jobs again, start looking for a job and work again. I didn't know where we were going to live. I did not think that we were going to end up finding that the thing that we love the most is travel and being at home. Yeah. So yes, we are still just flying wherever the flight gods allow. Like yeah. we found these crazy cheap flights via Scott's cheap flights and I refuse to call it going. So it's called Scott's cheap flights from <laughs> now until forever. $170 one way or round trip. It was like $200 round trip tickets to Sydney. One of the best deals we've ever found. And that's where we're heading soon. And the reason that we're heading there is because it was so dang cheap and awesome to go and because we can't wait to go to Sydney and New Zealand right after that. And just seemed like a perfect 
perfect mashup. What's going on? You're, you're like, can you can you like, like twist a little bit more? I got to draw the mountains. <laughs> How am now. I going to show this? There are to mountains. Anyone? Tattoos almost finished, by the way. Wow, I have so much respect for tattoo artists. I mean, I always have, but. Okay, so while we're waiting for this thing to get finished, we just got two comments that we wanted to read that we thought were awesome from last week. First one is from Anna S9001 that says, the way Josh looks at Lisa Hart. (laughs) What about the way that you look at me when you find out my my laptop is at 2%? What about the way you look at me when I say your hair is getting in the way of this tattoo? What about the way you look at me when I say in the morning? (laughs) Okay, we're done. (laughs) So this other comment from Dad Smack that says, please do not get rid of the Travel Thursday. It's the best. Okay. Yes, we've heard from a lot of you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Okay, so this guy says, I'm starting my world travel next month after a 30-year career. Awesome. Stumbled across your channel. Travel Thursday motivated me to get get moving. I love that. That's awesome. I love that. I have amassed a I've amassed a material amount of points in the past year and shared your channel with my adult children. Thank you so much. See, this is what we're talking about. This is like the coolest thing that could happen. I, I love that. I love that. Remember, new is not always improved and bigger is not mm. always better. Lisa and Josh. Plus, my face looks like yours when you say Scott's cheap flights <laughs> changed to going. See? Yes. This is what I'm talking about. It's just you like, have a smile on your face. Yeah, though. I know. But it's just like, why would you do it? You know, why would... Why would you do it? Okay, are, are we ready to show the artwork? It has been complete. Okay, uh, hold on. This was a fun one. Uh, tell us what you think in the comments below. Would you get this or one of the tattoos for Austria's free public transportation for a whole year? Okay, government of Austria, you have seen my tattoo. <laughs> We're going to put this on your Instagram page. And you tell us if you think that this is good enough for us to be able to ride a train for free. And if so, we're going to try it. We're going <laughs> to go there. We're going to try it early next year. We're going to Austria and we're going to try this thing out if you guys think it's good enough. That would be incredible if that worked. <laughs> that would be so amazing. This was a really fun one. Thanks so much for all your questions. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on a podcast platform, thanks for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to leave a question in the comments below. Travel related question for next week's Travel Support Thursday from. I think we'll be in Sydney. Yeah, from Sydney. Most upvoted questions, they get answered every week. So be sure to vote and be sure to leave a question in the comments. Okay. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. See you later. Oh wow. Thanks for thanks for coming. Bye. Should we outro with Travel Thursday? Travel Thursday. See you later. See you later. (laughs) Okay.